This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 15. Episode 13. This is Writing Excuses, using elections in stories. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Dan. And I'm Howard. And we have special guest Daniel Friend. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. And you have been running or part of some political campaigns. That's right. So the reason I want to talk about elections and stories is because I've been involved in a lot of them. Normally, I'm a science fiction and fantasy editor, and I don't see nearly enough elections and stories considering how often and how important they are to our own lives. So in 2012, I actually worked in the Utah County Elections Office during the presidential campaign between Mitt Romney and Barack Obama. In 2017, I was the communications director for a U.S. congressional campaign in Utah. In 2018, I ran for the Utah House of Representatives as a candidate. Um, Lost, but that's okay. Um, (laughs) Well, then you have nothing important to say. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) And um, this year, I am reprising the communications director role for a third-party U.S. congressional campaign. So I've been around elections a lot, and they're this very strange little world that not enough people know about. And there's some really cool things that we can do in stories with them. All right, well— Take us on that trip. You uh, you pitched this episode to us. It sounds really interesting. You actually have an outline. You're way more prepared than uh, <laughs> we've ever been. <laughs> yes. So let's well, let's go through it. Mahatam. Yes. Uh, Mahatam. We got to yes. give her props. Yes. No. Mm-hmm. Fair. Well, I'm glad I can be second in something <laughs> um, besides just, came just with a vote. A so. Um, The first thing, I want to start out with how not to use elections and stories because there's a really big pitfall in thinking that the outcome of the the election is the climax of my story. That's the most important thing that's going to happen. But don't do that. Mm, Why not? Because election are inherently anticlimactic. It's a very strange thing because if you're working in an election, you are going out every day and you are meeting strangers and you're working so hard and you're putting your heart and soul into this thing that is really important to you, at least presumably. And then at the end of the day, all that work you did boils down to hundreds or thousands of other people making a decision about you. And so when election day comes, that's actually the most laid back yet high strung day of an entire campaign because there is nothing left for you to do and you're sitting there biting your nails about what's going to happen and you are completely powerless. Now, you don't want to have a character be inactive as your protagonist and on election day, despite all the activity that they've done up to that point, they're just really sitting around watching TV, waiting for those results to come in. So make sure that there is something going on in your climax other than just what's the result of the vote. Right. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't really grasp this when you said yeah. it, but now I can totally see it that the last day is the most boring day mm-hmm. with a really nice, exciting <laughs> moment at the end of it. Yes. Yeah, I'm or trying to think soul-crushing disappointment. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of stories about elections. And I remember there was a movie with Chris Rock and Bernie Mac years and years ago. And they got to that point where there was nothing left to do, and they showed that moment where he was sitting around bored, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to go drive people to work. And so he got a bus, and he and they had him doing something during that period. Mm-hmm. Another example is uh, I just finished watching the season of Parks and Rec where Leslie Nope runs for city council. Mm-hmm. Now, that— 
isn't exactly a great example because they treated it like a U.S. Senate campaign. There was way too much money going on in that race for a small town city council. But that's the joke, right? That's, that is it's the joke. Parks and Rec. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, do use it for um, as a good example of what people do to each other in campaigns. Don't think that a city council race looks anything like it. That's U.S. Senate and above. Yeah. You're making me think of um, Amber Lowe by Lara Elena Donnelly, which is all about this political campaign that is that is going on in the background. And it is none of the characters are directly involved in the campaign, but their lives are being influenced by everything that's going on around them. Uh, it, and it's you're right. It's it's fantastic in that way. And that's an excellent way to use elections in a story is to have this thing that is really going to affect your characters' lives happening in the background. And to what extent do they pay attention to it? To what extent do they understand that this is actually going to matter to them? Do they get involved or not? Mm-hmm. Um, so to use uh, elections as a vehicle for telling interesting stories, doing it within an election campaign is actually a great idea because there are so many fun, quirky people in a campaign. Everybody in a campaign is automatically a little bit weird because they are willing to take a job that is going to last for a few months, and it does pay decently for those few months, but then after that, you're out of work, and you either have to move to another place to get a new job, or you have to do a completely different kind of job, which is what I'm lucky enough to be able to do. And... um they're all just a little bit kooky because they're not just getting involved like, oh, I'm going to donate. Oh, I'm going to have a yard sign. They're actually putting their, you know, 40 hours a week or more into this. So I want to just run down the cast of characters within an election campaign and tell you a little bit about why they are going to be fun. So the most obvious person is, of course, the candidate, the person who is running for office. And whether or not they have a spouse is also going to be a big deal because candidate spouses make a huge influence. But the candidate is going to be arrogant, arrogant enough to think that they can win and yet also emotionally fragile. Candidates are always needing reassurance from somebody that they're doing okay, that they can actually win, that this is worth all of the time and effort they are putting into because everyone is so invested. sound like writers. Yeah, Yeah. actually. I was going to say, the TV show Veep, uh, in the season where they where she was running for president, they did that beautifully. That combination of just absolute bullheaded arrogance and complete fragility. So that's a good example to look up. Yes, it is. Now, the person who is most often going to be helping the candidate feel better about these things is the campaign manager. And besides being the psychological counselor for the candidate, their main job is to manage. Now, campaign managers tend to have lots of experience under their, their belts, and they tend to not really, like, they they want to make sure that they're supporting someone they like, but they're also very willing to spin things, to color the truth a little bit. That's part of the job, and so campaign managers tend to be interesting that way. Under They also usually have a deputy to help them when they're not around. The next job is the communications director, which is what I know the most about because I did it. Communications directors are usually a people person because they have to interact with the press. They have to figure out social media. Um, uh, Beyond them, you have the finance director. Wait, 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 wait. What makes communication directors weird? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. you skipped over that. Mm -hmm. Well, now I have to tell you something weird about me. Um, Communications directors are the people who have to think about how we are going to persuade people to vote for you. What's the message? And so they kind of have to get into other people's heads. Mm. And they like this. 
And they think that it's really, really fun when somebody drops something, like some insult on Twitter, and they get to respond to it and really burn the other guy. Yet they've also got to balance this with how is it going to make my candidate look? They're always the ones who want to get the zinger, the, oh yeah, gotcha. But they've also got to be really careful. And how well your communications director balances those things or how well they don't makes a really interesting character. Now, when I tell you these things that this is what the person should be good at, a really interesting thing to do in a story is make them not so good at one of those things. Now, in the real world, your deputy should cover for you. I'm not the best at social media. My deputies do that really well. But what if in your story they don't have that deputy for whatever reason and they have to fail really hard at something that's really important? It's interesting to note that, you know, when you describe the communication director, uh, I, mean, I I have years of corporate experience as a marketing guy, and I realized, oh, okay, that is that is squarely in the middle of the marketing wheelhouse, squarely in the middle. All of the skill set of marketing, whether or not you think marketing is evil, you know that's that is where it fits. Um, it's just that the product you are marketing, the message that you are marketing, um, is it, it's this weird sort of flexible, undulating brand that is a person whose whose brand will necessarily change during the course of the campaign. Yes, that is all very true. And just to give you a real life example, in me, I was told the other day that I'm really good at writing fundraising emails which is something I have never aspired to be. (laughs) I'm just making a note of that for my own (laughs) This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. <laughs> Let's pause here for Book of the Week, and then we'll come back to the rest of the roles. So our Book of the Week, you are going to pitch at us. So um, every year there is the Life, the Universe, and Everything Symposium in Provo, Utah. That is a wonderful conference. I'm sure it's been talked about multiple times. Now, um, last year, they started having a benefit anthology that keeps prices low for students going to this. And I am in that first benefit anthology. Um, My story is called Launch, and the benefit anthology is called Trace the Stars. So it's available on Amazon, and all of the stories in there are fantastic. I've read every one. The reason I want to bring this up is because the next benefit anthology is already opening up um, their call for submissions, and the topic is a parliament of wizards. 
And if you don't Mm. think elections go into that, well, I just tell you, (laughs) I'm going to write something for it. We'll see if it gets in. Now, this is for charity, right? So there's no payment for the stories once they've been picked up. That's correct. It is a benefit anthology to benefit students who are attending this writing symposium. Excellent. All right, let's get back to our roles. All right. The next one is the finance director. This is the person who sits next to the candidate while the candidate is calling up people like Brandon and saying, Brandon, can you give me $2,700, please? And the finance director is the person saying, this is how you ask. This is what you need to do. And and the thing is, they're usually only paid on commission. So their job is to bring in money so that they can actually get paid. Wow. So they're getting paid on commission to raise money for the political campaign. Mm-hmm. So a percentage of what you're giving is going, you know, to, to yeah. the finance director. Interesting. For their services in figuring out who to call, figuring out how to ask them for money. Because if I just walk up to Brandon and say, hey, please write me a check, I'm probably not going to get anywhere. The finance director is the person who goes, I know that Brandon has enough money to give you a max donation. And this is the best way to ask him for it. Whereas he's, whereas they'll say, Daniel doesn't have enough money to give you a max donation. You probably want to get him to volunteer for you instead. So the finance director is a very strange numbers crunching kind of person. And they have to have a weird mix of an accountant and someone who can really schmooze people. This is well, a, someone who can read people, it yeah. sounds like. Yeah. I mean, this is something that's common in, in all fundraising. Um, most fundraising, yeah. uh, except at some nonprofits, uh, but most fundraising, you do get a commission for the amount of money. I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. My yeah. mom was a fundraiser mm-hmm. for years, and she's where I learned all of my schmooz- schmoozing from. <laughs> but it is it is this constant interplay of a, a political mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and financial conversation that you're having. Yeah, when uh, I was raising funds to put together a uh, scholarship locally, uh, we, we I built an endowment at one of the local universities, and we would 100%, every person that we targeted, we researched them and we figured out what's the best way to approach this person specifically. Mm-hmm. What did you determine about, about me? Uh, we <laughs> said, hey, Brandon, <laughs> I've known you forever. Give me some money. And it worked. <laughs> And sometimes that works. Um, Finally, the last person in charge is the field director. And this guy has to be really good with numbers because he's looking at statistics. This is the guy who actually figures out who, how many voters do we need to win this election? Where do they live? And how do we contact them? And then he leads a team of volunteers to go out and knock on doors, call phones, do whatever you need to do, go on the galactic interwebs and give them a hollow projection, whatever it is that works in your election, that person's got to have both the numbers aspect and a managing aspect. And those don't always come in the same package. Finally, you'll have volunteers who are always kooky and eclectic and have more time than they have money. (laughs) You also have donors who are exactly the same as volunteers, except that they have more money than they have time. And so you can make them just as strange as you want them to be, and it will not be different than real life. I feel so incredibly safe right now because (laughs) I have insufficient quantities of both money and time. We're almost out of time on this uh, episode. Is there a last point you want to hit? Yes, just really quick. Make sure you understand what the stakes of the election results are for your characters, both on a personal level, because either they'll lose and nothing will change, 
or they win and everything in their life changes. And also on the societal level, what are the impacts to the society based on who wins this election? And also make sure that you take some time to look at not just how American elections are run, but also how elections across history and across geography have been run. You've got, you know, parliamentary elections where it's based on a per- what party gets a percentage of the vote. That's how the seats are allocated. You have ranked choice voting like you have in the Hugo Awards, which we've all done. And you also have, you know, very small electoral colleges like in the Holy Roman Empire where seven princes would choose the next emperor. And each of those elections plays out differently. If you only have to schmooze seven people, that's a very different election than trying to schmooze a galactic community of several billion. So know what your race is, if it's local, if it's provincial, if it's national, if it's galactic or what have you, and then follow the consequences of that. All right. What's our homework? So your homework is to go out and volunteer for a political campaign that you support. Doesn't matter if it's local or national or what have you. Then go out and do whatever they have you do, whether it's knocking doors or calling phones or whatever. Then when you get home, start writing down what you did. When your imagination takes off in a different direction, start writing that story. So this was a really awesome episode. I learned a ton. Yeah. Um, I can imagine that there might be people out there who are writing books about elections who might need a really good editor, and you freelance. Yes, I do. How can they get a hold of you? You can email me at dcfeditor at gmail.com. Daniel Craig Friend, initials, editor at gmail. Awesome. Well, you guys get out there and knock on some doors. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.